doggone it! Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. I am your host, Tom Galker, and today we celebrate the music of one of the gone-too-soon blues legends, Hound Dog Taylor. It was 50 years ago that Alligator Records was formed. It's the quintessential label that protects and nurtures the legacy of the American-created music genre called the blues. Bruce Idler was a shipping clerk of Delmar Records, and he begged the label to sign one of the local favorites, Hound Dog Taylor. And Delmar Records passed, but Bruce was determined to get Hound Dog's music out there, and he received a $2,500 inheritance, and he decided to form his own label called Alligator and released his first recording from the artist Hound Dog Taylor. In 1971, the album is a classic masterpiece called The Hound Dog Taylor and the House Rockers. The album was a slow-moving hit. And unfortunately, Hound Dog Taylor passed away too soon at 1975 from lung cancer. But we have his body of work and Alligator is still out there protecting the brand. Today, I am chatting with one third of the blues trio called GA4, guitarist Matthew Stubbs. We're talking about the tribute album of Hound Dog Taylor's compositions called GA20. It's the GA20 does Hound Dog Taylor. Try it. You might like it. The album was released August 20, 2021 on the Karma Chief Records. This Boston trio kills this recording. The band is Tim Carmen on drums and, and Pat Fatty on guitar and my guest. And my guest also plays guitar with Charles Musselwhite for the last 11 years, Matthew Stubbs. Before we get into the interview, don't forget to subscribe to Something Came From Baltimore and you flip it to five people who love this kind of music because we want you all to be a part of that Be More music scene. Okay, let's listen to a sample from the album GA20 does Hound Dog Taylor. Try it. You might like it. It's a cover of the 1971 recording, It's All Right. Zoom, Matthew Stubbs, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Hi, good to be here. Yeah, great. Hey, love this album. It's a hot album. I'm sure you're getting a lot of good buzz on it. Yeah, it's been well received uh, on on radio and just a bunch of reviews came in the last couple. I mean, it's been out for four weeks now, so all the reviews are starting to come in and everything seems to be positive. Yeah, definitely. We're talking about GA20 does Hound Dog, Taylor, Try It, You Might Like It. How did you learn about Hound Dog Taylor? I grew up listening and playing blues. My father's a guitarist and uh, introduced me to that music when I was just a kid. I probably, I can't really remember the first time I heard Hound Dog, but I'm pretty sure it was when I was 15 or 16, just digging through, uh, well, CDs, not records back then. And I think I came across Give Me Back My Wig. It was like a compilation CD. I can't remember. It was like an Alligator Records compilation or just a Chicago blues. And I remember hearing that and then, through the years, other people have covered that song. That was probably my intro to Hound Dog, you know, as a, as a youngster. What would you say, as a blues fan, is that style? Because that style is not really, like, pop radio commercial. It's a, it's a lot more dirtier. 
I mean, I just, it's Chicago blues. You know what I mean? That's, that's exactly what I, what I would call it. I mean, Hound Dog and the House Rockers, you know, they're probably a little bit more raw than a lot of other acts of that time or any time, really. I mean, they're a very raw and high energy, you know, band. I mean, I think to someone, I forget who the writer was, but, you know, he would, he called them like the Ramones of the blues or something, you know, that's what it reminded that. That's a great analogy. You're also at some milestones. So it's 50 years recording that you're going back to this artist. It's the first artist on Alligator. Uh, Hound Dog Taylor album was uh, a must for Alligator, and that's how Alligator was created. How did you make these connections, or were they any, just by luck? A year ago, July, Bruce, the owner and founder of Alligator, reached out to us. He had seen us last time we were in Chicago and liked the band, and he reached out. Uh, a year ago, July, and was interested in us working with Alligator or him working with us, however you want to look at it. And we were flattered, obviously. We had, you know, I've known Bruce for years because I, I played, I played with Charlie Musselwhite, so he's done records on Alligator. So, when, you know, when I go through Chicago, I've, I've always seen Bruce and hung out. He wanted to work with us, but we're already, we already had a record contract with uh, Coal Mine Records out of Loveland, Ohio. Our, our first record is with them, and we have a few other records ready to go. So it wasn't really a thing. I couldn't just say, yeah, all right, Bruce, let's make let's make a record together. Everything was shut down. We had these other records ready to go, but we wanted to hold off releasing those, the original material. Just we wanted to make sure we were able to tour behind it. So I knew it was the 50th anniversary of Alligator and Hound Dog. And we've been compared a lot to Hound Dog and the House Rockers because instrumentation, we have two guitars, drums, and vocals, no bass guitar. You know, we're influenced heavily by Chicago blues of 50s, 60s, and 70s. So very similar to Hound Dog in that regard. So I just kind of came up with the idea. I talked to Coal Mine, and then and then I pitched the idea to Bruce. Took uh, a few conversations, but about getting the two labels to work together and co co release this as like a you know well it's tribute, but it's 50th anniversary. It just made a lot of sense. Like we had time. I have a studio. I built a studio in my house, and it was just something you know. It's, I feel like he was. He's kind of like if you really into blues, you probably know who Hound Dog is. But if you're just you know, it's not a household name. So I, I and I, I I think he kind of should be if you're really into blues. I mean, he was pretty influential in a lot of ways. So it was just uh, I had a few meetings with the two labels and figured out how we would make it work for everybody. You know, everyone involved, so everyone was happy with the results, and um, we were able to come up come up with an idea. And then we recorded. I, we went that was in July. We started talking and by November. We were in the studio recording it. So the the recording is like a gift. Like I was raised on SST and Slash and some like punk artist. And when I hear this album, it reminds me of that time period, like where you're excited about this album release and the rawness of it. And this yeah. al this album of yours is it has that feel. And so you recorded this in your own home. There's no overdubbing. It doesn't seem like it seems kind of raw. What was the idea when you started recording that? What kind of sound were you trying to get? The goal with this, I mean, I had never until this you know, moment when Bruce reached out and I had this idea. I don't, and no one in the band, including myself, ever, you know, we weren't out to do a tribute record where, uh, you know, we write our own music. But when we decided to do it, I produced the record. And, and my goal was just to kind of capture the spirit of the first two Hound Dog records. You know, they're really, if, if, if you're not familiar with them, they're very bombastic and raw. And I spoke with Bruce because he produced those uh, in the 70s, early 70s. And I just kind of asked him what, what the energy was in the room, like outside of the actual playing. And then the playing and basically he told me it was they came in and just performed like they were in a nightclub like the, what he would see 
that's what, where he fell in love with the band. And, you know, they didn't have headphones on. They had a couple monitors to hear the vocals, and they just went in the same gear that they played live with and just cut the songs, you know, to a two-track, you know, not many microphones. So that was that's what we were going for. We set up, you know, in my studio all in one room. So there was no, we're not isolating anything. All the songs were cut, you know, two or three takes. You know, I don't think there was any that were more than three. It was just me, Pat, the singer, other guitarist, Tim on drums, and then my our, our engineer, Matt Gerard. So it was just the four of us in a little room. Yeah. So people have an idea of what blues is, and, and, and it's like cut and dry. You know, they think like guitar shredding, and that, at this point, modern blues, kind of more like that. This is just Chicago blues. This is just raw blues, you know, and it has lots of energy, but most blues has you know a lot of energy if you start digging and listening to where it came from uh this is something that uh, if you're a hound dog taylor fan this is an album you want to listen to if you're a ga20 this is a i mean an album you want to listen to if you're a chicago blues fan this is something but if you're also into some some really good rock sounds and some uh garage vibe this is an album that you want to listen to it's it's covering a lot of bases and it's just pure energy it's really great i love the album cover was that a a conscious decision on using that album cover? Yeah, well, so that's Hound Dog's hand. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a sixth finger, so that's kind of a... Uh, there's other photos similar to that that are very famous. Um, Alligator owns owns the rights to that hand, and they had multiple different shots. It's ones that are some, a lot lot that are not released, but yeah, I think it was it was important. It was it was I think it was my idea, or we were, I was talking with uh, the owner of Coal Mine. He he did the art design physically. Did it. Him and I were working together to come up with the concept. So. Do you feel that that extra finger helped him in any way? I don't, Would you, think, so. I don't, no. I don't think. I don't think. I mean, maybe. But when you hear, you listen to how he played. It's it's pretty. Uh, doesn't sound like he's doing anything that you would need a sixth finger for. Yeah, you know? it's a, it sounds like he tried to cut one, like one of them off when he was drunk. I think he did. I, he had, yeah, yeah, the extra finger on both hands. I, and I heard a story that he actually did cut the one off. <laughs> That's, that he can't. Can't be a good thing. Yeah, it cannot be a good thing. But in this modern age, I'm sure that would have been like, you know, sawed off very quickly. So in your in your bio, you guys are talking about, you know, maybe going in a historical route where you're, you know, you're you're peeling off um, past artists. I know you're doing original recordings, but now you have this album in the can that's kind of a, a tribute and you put your own spin on it. And I you know, everyone's in love with it. So do you feel yourself going like, oh, we're going to do Elmore James in the future or are we going to just keep it open to the, the future and say maybe we will go back or maybe we'll do a parallel? I don't see us doing another tribute record. I mean, we, I mean, blues is kind of, you know, it's a traditional historic music. So there's always, I'm sure we'll do, we do do in like a live show. There's other artists that we cover, you know, a song or two. But uh, this was just, I think this was just a one a, a one-time thing for us. It just, Everything aligned from being off the road, being the 50th anniversary, Alligator reaching out when they did. So, yeah, I mean, we have other records done. Uh, the next record we're releasing, I think, is going to come out in May. That's all original stuff. That was done before the Sound Dog record. The album we're talking about is Try It. You might like it. It's GA20. Does Hound Dog Taylor. It was released August 20, 2021. We're going to go through a couple songs from the album, and we just get your take. The songs or why you like the original or you know what kind of spin that you guys did and i saw that there's some great videos for these songs too and i think that they're really time fitting that that would be the style of a video from that time period the the early 70s your drummer has an awesome sweater on i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> he'll, he'll appreciate that. He'll yeah. Appreciate first song, and She's Gone, was from the, the the first album of his. There's a video out there, but what's your thoughts on that song? And why'd you pick it as the lead off? I just think it was a good, you know, the it was a good intro. It was the first single that came, you know, that we released. It's a good intro to if people that don't know Hound Dog. Well, I know the reason why. Will you take all my money? And you treat me like a child Like a child Well, the woman I love Baby, tell me you're gone Well, the woman That and the following song in the sequence, "Let's Get Funky," are probably my two favorite on the on the on the record. So, yep, you're right. I don't know, it was the leading single, so we made it the first one on the record. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna get right into the next song, which is "Let's Get Funky," which also has a video. This is a "Beware of the Dog." So this was recorded, uh, and uh, he passed away in 1975. The album came out in 1976. So you you picked this one off the third album, but. I, I think you I think all these songs are fantastic, but what what's up with uh, let's get funky? Uh I like I mean that one to me is the more unusual on the record where it's not like a shuffle or a slow blues. It's it, that one I can see where people are like, Oh, it's like punk or it's a garage rock or whatever, because it really I mean it's pretty reckless sounding. You know, it's basically just one note, one guitar note for almost the whole thing with and it's not like a singing song just kind of doing what Hound Dog did kind of like talking at the audience you know and that's what Hound Dog was doing has an awesome story isolationist vibe where he you know he's he's a little frustrated sure. <laughs> the song i mean basically all these songs when we were doing it most of them were off the first two records so it was just kind of piecing together we rehearsed uh for a couple months and we would just we would run different hound dog songs and just see which ones felt good and had the spirit and so that's really all 10 of them that's kind of how we picked eight of them are songs that hound dog wrote Right. And then or or uh, Brewer Phillips wrote and he might wrote one of those. And then two of them were not Hound Dog uh, written, but he would always put he would perform them live. And that was another important thing to me when we were recording the music. I wanted it to be, you know, represent what Hound Dog was doing, you know, in a club. Daddy, as far as I gotta go. 
it was just kind of when we were playing them and rehearsing, finding the ones that felt had the spirit or as close as we could get to what, what those records sounded like. The next song is is what I learned about him first, too, is Give Me Back My Wig. And yeah. there's multiple recordings out there. It's a jam. It, w- it was track number six. You didn't release it as a single, which is surprising. I think that's probably one of his more well-known ones. Like I said, that was my, as far as I can remember, the first one I heard. And a lot of people have done it. What I will say is when we play it live, that one is like one of the probably more it's a crowd favorite. Every time we play it, there's a lot of energy. and People seem to really connect with it. You know, and Pat does a great job in all the slide parts. So, funny you should say that we're releasing we went to uh, our record label has a studio and we we did a, a, a shoot which the videos are not out yet but uh four songs live to tape and we're releasing that just on digital services uh a few singles and then the whole thing four songs and we're releasing first single will be october 15th and it's a live version of give me back my wig so that will be out there as a single shortly Good. When you go in concert, you're not going to play this album from beginning to end. You're going to intersperse with your material, right? Or Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It would be nice if you just did one recording, knock that out, say, we're going to do it from beginning to end. We're never going to do this again. Like, and then, then you have that live version of it and it's already yep. in the can and, and you don't have to be bothered anymore. Unless you're like Cheap Trick and you guys are together for 50 years and you want to bring that album back out again. Uh, Matthew Staub, thank you very much for hanging with me today. I That's am cool. a super fan of this album. I totally recommend pressing on a lot of my buttons and I really hope people uh, reach out and take a listen to it. Cool. Uh, GA20 does Hound Dog Taylor. Try it. You might like it. So I thank you very much for talking to me today on Something Came From Baltimore. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Matthew Stubbs from the GA20 for joining me today on Something Came From Baltimore. The album is called GA20 Does Hound Dog Taylor. Try it. You just might like it. I tried it, and I loved it. We're coming close to the end of the show, but I must Remind you again to subscribe, listen, and make comments, share with your friends. It's the podcast called Something Came From Baltimore. We want you all to be a part of that Be More music scene.